The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Our life flows on in endless song above earth's lamentations. We hear the sweet though far off hymn that hails a new creation. We gather to worship, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered for our global audience, WBUR.org, for our NPR New England congregation, 90.9 FM, for our gathered visible singing community at Marsh Chapel. We invite your prayerful material support, your written emailed responses, your self-selection for service, decisions about ministry here, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us in the pew. Today, by grace, we are embraced by the benevolent beauty of Bach. Today, by grace, we are addressed by the beautiful benevolence of Luke. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice to be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
Almighty and everlasting God, you govern all things both in heaven and on earth. Mercifully hear the supplications of your people, and in our time grant us your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Most of Paul's letters were written in response to issues raised by the fledgling churches he'd helped start around the eastern end of the Mediterranean. Issues of theology or Christology or morality, or even issues raised by the tensions of the diverse congregations in those early churches. Perhaps most quoted of all of his letters, of parts of his letters, is this uh, 13th chapter of Corinthians. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they'll come to an end. And as for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, but then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. The word of the Lord. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 71 with the antiphon. I take refuge. 
let me never be put to shame. In your own righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and the cruel. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have lived from my heart. It was you who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continuously of you. stand as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. to St. Luke, chapter 4, verses 21 through 30. Glory to you, O Lord. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel at the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine all over the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. 
But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Is that you again, Dr. Jarrett? Oui, c'est moi. <laughs> or I suppose I should say today, ja, ich bin's, Herr Professor Hill. If it isn't my old friend and Bach dialogue partner, my colleague and director of music, my talented and personally gifted musical guide, Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett. He's around here somewhere. I'm not sure this is that guy, but... Well, Scott, for the third time this year, we announced the gospel of Jesus Christ in word and song by radio and internet, in person and in prayer, <coughs> as upon a cold winter Sunday, we are warmed by Bach and benevolence. This cantata is about benevolence, is it not? Well, it's certainly benevolent of you to say so. Quite so, quite so. You know, flying for a Bach moment at 50,000 feet, benevolence very much fits our gospel and our cantata today. I mean, from the heights, from the sky, as well as in the depths and on the ground, as soon we shall see. It's just a moment. With all due respect, <laughs> Dean Hill, you lost me at 50,000 feet. Sky, heights, I don't understand. Well, 50,000 feet is a de dangerous place to be lost, so let me back up a bit. <coughs> For, for one thing, we teach our students at the Boston University School of Theology, the oldest Methodist theological school in the country, and by many accounts, the finest as well. Pardon me. Pardon me while I check my humility meter. But we teach them that sermon design is crucial, and one design or form a sermon may take is that of a dialogue. So the example teaches, exemplum dosa, I understand, a dialogue sermon, just like this one. Precariously, I mean precisely so. Okay, so what about, you know, sky and height and all of that? Well, Dr. Jarrett, a sermon announces good news. It is gospel. And at its height here today, Bach's cantata also announces, we hope, through the very humble ministrations of two very human beings, good news, glad tidings, you might say a word of benevolence. I think I understand. So the, you're saying that the music helps us soar, it helps us to climb, and it helps us to find some clarity. Precariously, I mean precisely, just so. <laughs> You know, a couple of Saturdays ago, I had the sermon written, and so I had some afternoon free time. And I walked down to the Boston Public Library. I love that walk, and I love just to sit in that open, gracious reading room. For some reason, I found myself standing next to an encyclopedia of the Reformation. I guess indeed the Lord doth worketh wonders. <laughs> it was convenient. Exactamente. That is, it was a serendipitous intersection of a reader and a book. And I happened to open to the chapter on Martin Luther. And in the quiet of the room, under the spell of the grand architecture, 
with the remembrances in history brought up to that place, with the pull of the spirit tide of life, I was told again his story and his faith. His story of anguish is known, if not well. His resolution and resolve we only know, though, through our own anguish, if at all. By grace, through faith, we are made whole. By grace, through faith, alone, we are healed. It is God's grace gift, invisible, immediate, gracious, lovely, like music itself, by which we are saved. Benevolence, you could call it. One cannot earn salvation, but God is loving us into love and freeing us into freedom. It is this benevolence of which the Bach cantatas sing, is it not? It is for sure. And it's this gift of grace to us and the way in which we ought to freely offer it to one another that is our subject today. Bach extends this theme far deeper than simply in his choice of text. In today's cantata, note the delicate instrumentation. There are no trumpets, there are no drums, there aren't even flutes. We have today what Bach called flauti dolce, or sweet flutes, which means recorders. They impart a kind of sweetness and a delicacy, even a fragility. So before we reach cruising altitude over there and consider the text, you are right, there is a benevolence, a gentle meekness, immediately present even before the voices enter. But what about the text? There is another strong and unusual sense of benevolence present to us today, very timely. Is there not, Scott? Yes, and this is the sense of the service to be need, to the needy, benevolence of a more human kind, goodwill in doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly. Our cantata today, Brüchtim Hungrig and Dein Brot, which means break your bread for the hungry, is one of only a handful of uh, cantatas with a specific call to social justice. Bach likely would have balked at our modern term social justice, preferring instead something like Christian responsibility, maybe. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Luther earlier, and most of our cantatas are imbued with a heavy and heady dose of Reformation-style dogma, a doctrine concerned almost exclusively with our own soul's future and personal salvation. Today, we have musical rumination on the Isaiah injunction to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and give shelter to those without. I don't suppose you'd like to give us any clues of what to listen for, would you? Well, as a matter of fact, I was waiting for just this moment of invitation. First, in the, uh, in the first movement, notice the meekness of this opening choral movement. It's almost as if Bach knows how difficult an act of grace to another person can be. We approach with a little reticence, maybe shyness, discomfort, fear of the unknown or the other, perhaps. Gradually, we find ourselves open and warmed by the simple act of granting and offering grace by Christ's example and in his shadow. 
You'll hear this shift from anxiety to eager, nervous energy in this first movement. And if I may, Dean Hill, just to go a little further. Please do. The arias seem to bathe in the joy of Christian mercy. How good it is to serve one another, to do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly. In the first aria, notice how the two solo instruments, there's a violin and oboe, the two solo instruments imitate and mirror one another, just as the text depicts our own lives attempting to follow or mirror Christ's life. Breaking bread, praying, giving and receiving love, all in the shadow of Christ. The central movement is the only movement in the cantata in which Bach's severe preacherly index finger extends. Craig Smith, the late founder of Emmanuel Music here in Boston, whose birthday is today, once described this aria as a splash of cold water. But this admonishment lasts only a moment and we return to the winsome recorders in the benevolent soprano aria. Highest, what I have is your gift. You know, Scott, you and I have talked some about the relationship between spirit and society, religion and life, Christ and culture. Spiritual reformation and religious transformation of a lasting sort depends upon and is forged in a cultural reformation and a secular transformation. The word of the gospel is embedded in the music of the streets. Well, certainly that was true of Bach's self-understanding and his intention. That's what makes our setting here in the heart of Boston and our presence by radio in the heart and hearths of New England such a happy and even challenging position. If I remember right, there's something of a dispute about whether Bach was more secular or more sacred in his inclination, whether he wrote the church music because he had to or because he wanted to. You probably know more about that than I do. I think you're setting up a sequel, but that's, you're <laughs> onto something. Okay. Okay. Either case, in either case, whether or not, as one wrote, the focus of Bach's emotional life was undoubtedly in religion and, the, and in the service of religion through music, still his dual citizenship in church and society, however balanced, shows this same dance between cultural transformation and spiritual transformation. It means that the Christian walk may start on Sunday in Marsh Chapel but it proceeds down the mall of Commonwealth Avenue and necessarily continues along Massachusetts Avenue and up Huntington Avenue from chapel to garden to symphony to theater. And to lunch. And to lunch. Yes, yes, Jesus preaching in Nazareth took him and his congregation out into the town and his word took his hearers not only out of the synagogue, but out of, outside of, their religious tradition as they wrestled and struggled with its interpretation. I suppose in this they were themselves reformers. As Yaroslav Pelikan said, the performance of any God-pleasing vocation is the service of God. All beauty, including secular beauty, is sacred because God is one, both creator and redeemer. 
The gospel is a call to a combination of deep personal faith and active social involvement as John Wesley taught. That which has been believed always and everywhere by everyone. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Do all the good you can at all the times you can. In all the ways you can, in all the places you can. To all the people you can. As long as ever you can. Amen.
Oh, 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 oh,
Lord be always with you. My name is Elizabeth Fomby. I'm the Director of Hospitality here at Marsh. I want to welcome all of you who are here with us in the nave of Marsh Chapel and also give a big welcome to those of you who are listening on the internet or via podcast. The first thing I want to do is to thank the Marsh Chapel Choir and Collegium for their offering today. Thank you very much. Secondly, I'd like to direct your attention to the red pads that can be found at the center of the aisles. Um, if you would take the time to, to fill those out, pass them down so that we can get to know you better and so also you can get to know those who are seated next to you. This upcoming Wednesday, February 3rd from 7.30 until 9 p.m. in the Photonics Building is the second annual Christian Unity event. You might remember it from last year. Sister Olga is leading this up. It is going to include uh, guest speakers, prayers in various languages, refreshments, and offerings by the Catholic Center Choir as well as Inner Strength Gospel Choir. See, for, uh, see the bulletin for more information. Starting today at 12.20 p.m., we've got the Way of Discernment study class that's going to be following the service in the Thurman Room. If you'd like to find out more details, um, please see Kelly Drescher over here. 
In a few weeks from now, we've got the Valentine's party. There have been some changes with the Valentine's party. That is still going to be Saturday, February 13th from 6 to 8 p.m. It is now going to be at Dean Hill's residence at 96 Bay State Road, apartment 10. Admission is free. We are still going to have lots of food and beverage. The BU School of Theater is going to be um, offering some skits for us. One skit from Romeo and Juliet, and to counter that, a skit from The Taming of the Shrew. So I would encourage you to um, come join us for the Valentine's party. We still ask that you RSVP so we can have a more accurate head count. Please RSVP to me. Following the Valentine's party, L'Academy, our ensemble and residents, will be having one of their concerts in the Marsh Chapel nave starting at 8 p.m. Um, admission rates can be found in the bulletin. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
celebratory prayer comes from the words Bach just gave to us. I bring what I can, Lord. Let it be pleasing to you, so that what you promise I might one day receive. Amen. of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>